Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the episode, we are going to be uh, exploring the interconnection of humanity with water and nature. And I'm sure our conversation will take its own little wavy turn, just like a river does. Um, But my guest today is Beatrice. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so I um I, I'm I was very intrigued by sort of your your educational background um and there's a whole bunch of words um about you know what you do for you know profession and what you studied. So I, I thought maybe um it would be best if we start with like what is your background, like what's your schooling background, and then maybe if you can explain like what it is. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that was a lot. Uh, when I said, I think my mom still struggles to see, to see what I studied. Um, so I studied biotechnology engineering and it's a very broad field of study. So most of the people that studied with me, um, are now in the, like they met, they make medicines or they are into like the food field. But my interest was always the environment. So I always went into like ecology and ecosystem restoration because that's what I wanted to do, right? And that's another field of biotechnology. So um, yes, I specialized in the environment. Then I worked on, like I have always worked or studied things related with the environment and ecosystems and natural resources management um, and things like that. So I think we can say that conservation is my passion and I'm lucky enough that I've been able to like study it and worked um, around that. But yeah, so basically it's like habitat restoration, what I do um, and what I studied to do. Okay, so biotechnology being like, okay, bio standing for like biological or like biology processes and engineering or well, technology, I mean, technology is sort of exploring how to use technology or how to, you know, make and create things, if exactly. I'm sort of putting it into plain language as being the, and then engineering, you know, when I think of an engineer, I think of like, you know, designing how like a, something is going to work before you actually make it a real thing. Exactly. And that's exactly right. Like, let's say, like, let me put an example. Like, um, I worked in a project where we had to restore an ecosystem after there was like an oil and chemical spill around it. So you have to design like the bioreactor in order for like bacteria and other bugs to like dissolve and break those chemicals so then the soil and the water can be like used or restored to like its natural processes. Right? So something like that. So you're, yeah, you're mixing like biology with technology and engineering. So yeah. Awesome. And ecology. Um, what, is, what is the study of ecology? So ecology, I think it's a, it's, a very, it's a very interesting field of study because it includes understanding how everything is related. So for me, like ecology is where, like you study ecosystems, you study living things, and you study the relations and the interactions between them. And, uh, and here, I think we're just starting to understand really how interconnected um everything is like i don't know if you're aware but there's a lot of studies that are coming around now on how trees talk to each other for example that is something and it's a relation that we have never thought that existed right we knew like the basic relations of like prey and predator like things like that that were a little bit more obvious but we now that we are getting to know a little bit more and science and technology are improving now we are understanding that trees can actually communicate to each other through like chemical reactions and they send like electronic signals or even like through the air through pheromones so it is changing a lot and ecology is part of that so we're studying how everything works together as a whole that just 
sounds so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had I had heard somewhere, and like Lord knows, I I just. I'm like an information junkie, so I, I, I can never remember where stuff comes from. But I remember hearing um, information coming out about how trees, you know, sort of talk uh, to each other and um, just how even root, like the root system of trees, like how it moves and searches and knows how to find the resource it needs, aka water. Um, and and like how it sprouts and it moves and it, I don't know, just the whole idea of how it just knows how to do that is amazing. I know. Yeah. Nature can blow your mind um, if you go deeper into it and you start understanding it, because I think the more we try to understand, the less we understand how it works, which I think it's it's really cool, right? Because it's not only like going back to the root system and the trees, like it's not only the trees and how they communicate with each other, but it's the, all the amount of like fungi and bacteria that they actually need in order to survive. Like it's just, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I, I love it. And I love the paradox um, because I, I so see that for myself that the more I begin to learn, the more I realize I don't know nothing. Right. And it's so paradoxical because it, you know, it's like this continuous evolving learning journey that like totally tickles my feathers. Um, Yet also is like, ah, oh, but I need to know more. And when am I going to know it all? And I'm never going to know it all. So it's kind of, it's exciting because it keeps me motivated and it keeps me excited about seeing all these different things. And so that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation clearly um, because I don't know that much and I just want to know more um, because I know that the environment is super important and I know it's a hot topic, climate change and all that. But, you know, I really want to kind of break it down to like little pieces of like what we individually can, you know, can be doing. Um, and I think for the purpose of this podcast, kind of like if you, you know, I, I hope that listeners will kind of gain a little bit of a better understanding of how things are connected so that when they're making decisions kind of, they got this like little reel playing in the back of their mind going, hmm, maybe I should do this instead because it's going to come back probably to bite me uh, (laughs) kind of thing. Um, So I'm excited to kind of dive into it. And having said that, let's maybe start with connection. And maybe you could talk a little bit, just broadly speaking, how we as humans are sort of connected to nature and like how does nature interact with nature so you know i know it's kind of broad and not specific no no no, no. that's good that's good And and i think connection is key when you're talking about ecosystems and nature because everything is connected right and again like like now now they now we know that the sandstorms in africa are the ones that provide the nutrients for the amazon rainforest right so if those type of things are connected we know that every action that we do is going to have either a positive or a negative impact in the environment. So I think it's very important to be aware of that and realize that we are part of nature. Like it doesn't matter where you live, you don't have to go into the Amazon rainforest and get lost to be surrounded by nature. Even when we are in our city, like in cities or in towns, we are talking about an urban ecosystem, but it's still an ecosystem and we are still, it's still part of nature. So everything that we do is actually related, right? or has an impact on, on the environment around us. So we are, we as humans are part of nature and we have been part of nature forever, like since we um, started walking on this earth, right? So we are one of the species that is part of these like huge network or web um, of species. So we have a lot of like more direct or indirect connections with other uh, like living things in nature, but we are really all connected. So I think you're making a really good point when you talk about what we can do and the impact that we can have, because I think there's a lot going on around all the negative impact that we are doing in the environment. And that can be overwhelming and paralyzed sometimes people. So they don't realize that just like we can have a negative impact, we can do have a positive impact as well. So being aware that everything that you do in your house has a direct relation with the ecosystem around you, right? So all the decisions that you make on what to put on your skin, what are, you, what are the cleaning products that you use at home, like the amount of plastic that you use, like all those things that seem 
pretty um, sometimes tiny that they do not have a big impact. If we all start doing it, I think it will change the the like paradigms, and and we can actually change the the like the impact that we are having in the environment. And these conversations are happening now, which is I think is amazing um, because before it was just like going against the current all the time. And now you can actually flow with it, right? Like people are more aware and people want to do something. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Did I answer the question? Uh, well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some follow-up uh, questions to that. So maybe I'll start with, um, I think examples are always kind of helpful to kind of wrap the mind around, um, you know, how things sort of work. So one so you you gave the one example of how the sandstorms you know feed into the amazon rainforest do you have any other examples from like a macro level so like in a big picture you know how we think that we're separated by continents and that you know what we do on one side of the world doesn't impact the other side like more recently, you have the Australian fires, right? How, if you had to guess, like how might that impact somebody somewhere else? Like, does it have an impact? It does. So what we have to, I think what we have to remember that sometimes we forget is that how, like the earth is, is big, right? But at the same time, it's a closed system. So the amount of water that we have is the same amount of water. We are not going to be able to like make up water anywhere else. We are not going to be able to like make up more oxygen. Like whatever we have on the earth is what we have to work with. So yeah, so every tree that is planted would actually increase the amount of oxygen that we have in the atmosphere worldwide. Every tree that gets chopped or cut will actually decrease the amount of oxygen that we are going to have accessible. Um, so yeah, every like... Every single thing that happens doesn't matter where, right? It's going to be impact everything. So at the same time, we were seeing droughts in some parts of the world. We are seeing flooding in other parts of the world, right? Because again, like it's the same amount of water. So if we are getting, like if the poles are melting and all that ice is melting, then the coasts are the ones that are going to race. So not necessarily the people that live in the, in the, like in the northern hemisphere or the um, closer to the poles are the ones that are going to be affected, but people that live in like tropical countries, that those are where the water levels are going to rise, right? So it's everything, like we are part of the same system. So everything we do will have an impact. Yeah. I think that's an important point that we sort of forget. Um, like we're still in a bubble mm -hmm. around the earth. Like yeah. it's still just one bubble. Like just, you know, whatever's happening on the top of the balloon still impacting what's happening at the bottom of the balloon because we're all still part of the same balloon, right? Like we only have this place to live. And I think it's super exciting that we're, you know, expanding and exploring how to get into space and do all of those things. Um, but we still live here, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and we only have this place right now, right? So, um, you know, we need to think about how we're using our resources and like what are we leaving behind for you know, future, you know, future generations. Cause right now, like earth is it can't, you know, can't go live, you know, somewhere else right now. So I think it's important that, you know, we, we understand that process um, and understand that concept that like, essentially we're all connected. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all break down into the same biochemicals when we, you know, get placed into the earth and get reabsorbed by the planet. Like we all break down to the same thing. Yeah. We're all made out of exactly the same molecules. Right. So, yeah. Um, so maybe on a, so maybe kind of bringing it down to a micro level of interconnection, like, you know, you say kind of the products that we use, the plastics that we use, um, you know, how does that, maybe work around maybe we can kind of um talk about it like in the sense of the ecosystem of water like what it you know what we do in our backyard how does that ultimately end up back in our backyard yeah yeah sure so um i think one one good example and now that we are in the middle of winter and there's like a lot of snow around us and ice one of the things that shocked me 
when I moved to Canada was the amount of salt that people used on their driveways and on the street. Like we, we are putting salt everywhere. And I understand the health and safety um, issues and why they're doing it. But I just think we have to be more conscious and probably find alternatives because there are studies. Like if you go into like conservation, Halton has a lot of information about it, about like the health of our streams and rivers and, and like all the aquatic ecosystems that we have um, around Oakville and in Southern Ontario. And we know that, for example, 14 Mile Creek, which is one of the ones that is more developed around, that one during like March, April, the salinity levels are higher than in the ocean. And that's because of the amount of salt that we use in our roads and in our homes. So that's a direct impact that we can see like right away. We can actually measure the amount of salt that goes into our waterways, right? So all the water... Like in, in, in Oakville, we have a separated system. So our gray water from home goes into like the plant and gets treated, but all the water from our driveways, from our gardens, from our streets goes straight into our streams without any treatment. So that is a very good example of something that we do at home that, again, we might not be thinking that will, it will impact the environment, but if you think of like all the frogs and the salamanders and the fish that are freshwater animals that cannot survive in high salinity and now all this salt is being dumped in there every year in really high concentrations then it's really hard for them to survive if they can actually survive well that's what i was thinking you know first and foremost the plants themselves right because if they're getting you know they're taking in that water they're not necessarily used to those ph levels or you know all those extra um chemicals because it's not even just the salt it's the oil that drips from our cars it's the you know garbage that we throw that then drifts down into into the lakes and then those animals are you know animals reptiles do 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 um are eating that that then get eaten by other things that ultimately we're eating yeah, that's, right. exactly, that, that's called bioaccumulation. And yeah, so the higher you go on the trophic levels, the more concentration of chemicals you usually have um, in your body because of that. Yeah. So even just from that perspective, from like the food chain perspective, you know, what goes into our water, we're using that water to hydrate the food that we eat and then we eat it. And then we store those chemicals. And then when we accumulate enough of those chemicals over time, it, you know, it's not surprising, I guess, in to see, you know, cancer rates and all these other, you know, um, health issues arising um, because we're accumulating junk. That's yeah. not that's not supposed to be in there. Um, and when we don't think about it that way, then we're certainly not thinking about detoxes and you know what can I do to ensure that I'm getting rid of and or not ingesting all of these unnecessary things. Exactly. And I think here the most important part is prevention, right? Like because our our bodies are pretty good. Like they're good at detoxing themselves. Like that's what they are meant to do. So we have a very good detox system on its own, but I think the problem is the amount and the concentrations that we are um, getting or ingesting or being or absorbing through our skin, right? Absolutely. Um, In terms of how we function with nature, and I'm sure the answer to this is self-explanatory, but I, I figure we can have some discussion around, because um, I think it goes back to the old discussion of nature versus nurture, but, you know, do we rely on nature? Does nature rely on us? Um, what are your thoughts on, like, <laughs> how, do, how do you talk about, you know, that interrelationship? Um, is it equal? Like, is it a 50-50, we rely and it relies on us? Or is it, or are the scales a little skewed? So, that's one probably, it's probably going to sound harsh, but we are only one species within millions of species. So, if we disappear, the ecosystems and nature around us will actually adapt to us not existing, right? Just like they adapted to, like, dinosaurs becoming extinct. Um, So nature and life will 
go on because we are only one part of the puzzle, right? So the puzzle will still be there and then somebody else will fill in our ecological, ecological niche. Um, so yeah, I think we rely, we completely rely on nature. Like we cannot survive without it because everything, we are totally dependent on it. Our water, we don't, we cannot survive without water. We cannot survive without food, shelter, clothing, like medicine, all that comes from nature. So without oxygen, oxygen, like everything, right? Like to do just our, yeah, like just our metabolic, um, just to function, we actually need nature, but nature does not need us. I know that's kind of. It is harsh, but it's true, <laughs> right? Like it's 100%. I mean, if we take, for example, like the Chernobyl incident, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the ecosystem around that area has, generally speaking, hopefully there's no humans hanging around or haven't been hanging around that area for quite some time now. Um, And yet somehow nature has adapted itself to survive in that harsh zone and things are growing there. Yeah, they they actually just found out that there are some type of fungi that are actually growing inside of the old reactors. Um, and they're studying them to see if they can actually help to, to treat uh, toxic waste and in, in that type of thing. But yeah, like nuclear waste. But it, yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing how nature adapts to, to things, right? And again, we are, we are only one species. So we are only one part of it. A lot of species have become extinct and there's, there's impact in the environment, but the ecosystems balance it out. Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it because um, on Netflix, there's a really cool um, series uh, that is hosted by Will Smith. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think. uh, uh, Yeah, I I can't remember. One one rock or I'm trying to like literally Google it. I saw like you know what I loved about about it because I watched it is the idea like how he used like most of the of the of his guests are uh, astronauts right yes they actually were like their perspective is very different it's called one strange rock and to be honest with you I love that they use astronauts what I absolutely love about the series is that it goes from macro yeah literally down to the tiny little cells and you know they they talk about how um you know the sandstorms feeds into the amazon and then it just talks about at a cellular level like how bacteria and living organisms adapt to the most harshest environments where like nothing would seemingly be able to survive in these temperatures underneath the water with, you know, levels of whatever being so high. And yet there is something living there that is thriving off of those particular nutrients and has adapted, evolved to take it. And so I really love that series. Um, if people are interested to see kind of the big picture and the little picture, because I think that's that series just really helped to put into perspective. We're still on the same planet. We're still in the same bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then brings it down to like the tiniest of things and how much we actually rely on the tiniest of things to like hold the whole, you know, hold the ecosystem together. So I really, really um, love that series because it really does a good job of putting it in perspective. Would you agree? I totally agree. Yeah, I loved it. And I think it, it's pretty easy to explain and it has really good visuals. Like I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good way. I, I, I always joke that sometimes scientists, we're not the best communicators. So sometimes it's hard to get people to understand what, like the, what's behind the science when you're like, I don't know, trying to explain something. So I, I think this one is a good bridge between that. Like the, it has a lot of scientific uh, information and data, but at the same time, they explained it in a very good and, and back to the ground level. So I yeah, loved it. And very visual and, you know, Will Smith is fun, you know, yeah. it, it, it's not like one of those boring series where you're like, wah, wah, wah. like it was actually 
really, really, um, I think, well done. And I'm certainly looking forward for them to, to, to bring out more, hopefully. Um, so we were talking about positive and negative effects. Um, and, you know, we've spent a lot of, you know, certainly there's a lot of negativity around, you know, climate and, you know, how we're doing bad things. And I'd like to not focus necessarily on that part for a moment and talk about more positive examples of things that are happening out there that is trying to improve the ecosystem and nature. And maybe you have a couple of examples um, of what you're seeing happening or are aware of. Sure, sure. So there are, so like there are many, there are many ways in which we can help and some of them are not as complicated as they seem. So I'm going to give you two examples. So one example is after like, I'm from Mexico and in Mexico, the, like the monarch butterflies is where they spend the winter, right? But they are they are migratory species, so they actually spend uh, the summers up north here in Canada, northern United States, and then they go down there, right? So they have like a cycle that includes like many countries and huge distances. And for a very long time, milkweed, which is the only plant that they can actually feed on when they are caterpillars, was considered an obnoxious weed. So in the states and Canada, if you actually had it in your farm, by law you had to remove it because it can be toxic to things that have a backbone, right? So cattle has a backbone, humans have a backbone. So then that, that's what it was removed. And now it was, it's not in the obnoxious with least anymore. And now we are planting it more. So there have been a few projects all over North America to try to bring back the, the um, like the different species of, of, um, of the plants, the milkweed that, they, that these butterflies feed on. And their numbers in just a few years went up a lot. So after reducing their, their population for about 80%, so we only had about 20% of what we had before, from that 20%, we went up almost twice that, right? So it, it is, that was something where like people started planting everywhere, you could see it in schools, and it was only one plant species, right? And that was the impact, that, like the ripple effect that it had in other species. Um, and monarchs are not the only ones that actually feed on on milkweed, right? So that's how we reverse the impact from removing one species from nature and having a bad impact to actually now planting it and having the positive effect that we want it to have, right? So that's good one example uh, that is related to like more the biological part of, of things. And, and it's an easy fix because we know now that just like scientists are sharing that by planting native species and being more cautious about what you have in your own backyard, you can have a huge impact uh, in, in your ecosystem. Um, and another important one would be um, like all like cleaning products and, and, and things that we use in our homes, for example, right? There's a lot of studies that, that show again that the, the, the air inside of our homes is, I think, between like 75 or 80% more polluted than the air outside because of all the chemicals that we use for cleaning, right? So it's really, really high. And those are like hormone disruptors or they can be, they can have like a lot of different uh, effects in our own like body and in nature, blah, blah. And I think there are so many things and so many companies that are now moving into like more natural products. People are being more conscious. They're uh, avoiding certain chemicals at home. We are seeing more like natural things to clean. Like you have no idea how many people now ask me how to use like baking soda and vinegar in their homes um, to clean, which is amazing because for many, many years I was the crazy one doing that, right? So it's, it's great to see that people are actually taking these small actions that can actually have a huge impact. Absolutely. Um, and I'm even just like thinking to myself, you know, even from a medical perspective, you know, if we overuse one thing, um, it can have negative consequences, right? Overuse of antibiotics is leading to superbugs. And so now we're you know, I, I can hear it out there, um, you know, looking for alternatives that are more natural for like, you know, viruses and bacteria killing that like doesn't involve using those types of things that actually make the bugs stronger, right? Uh, so similarly, things uh, similarly in home as well, like 
I like to use vinegar. It smells funky, but like, you know, put some like lemon drops in there and, you know, baking soda and like, you know, away you go. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree, right? And, and, and I think um, another, like we're part of like breaking the balance as well, what you were saying, like with the antibiotics, that, that's happening like all around us. There's a lot of studies too that are trying to link, like there still need to be more, more research around it, but linking allergies to how we don't have enough like bugs around us now, right? Because we are killing everything and we are trying to live in environments where there's no bugs when we don't realize that there are like good and bad bugs. And if we actually keep a good balance between good and bad, it could be better, right? Like gut health is a good thing, but now it's coming out and same thing, right? We are realizing that we actually need a good balance between good bugs and bad bugs in everything. I'm thinking to myself, isn't there like a book or something called let the kids eat dirt? Or something. (laughs) I've heard it somewhere where they're just basically saying, like, hey, the kids need to go out there. They need to get dirty. You know, they're going to put yucky stuff in their mouth. And part of that is what's building their immune system. But if you're hyper sterile, all it's going to take is like one little bug that your whole system's like, I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do. And it's going to thrive, right? Like, remember the example of like, I was saying that. You know, there are, nature is very opportunistic and will adapt to food sources that are available. And if it sees an opening, it will absolutely take it. It's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. But, you know, if we don't have a good ecology of bacteria within our own body, um, a foreign substance can come in and take a house. Exactly. Right. So being exposed to different things like uh, I I would absolutely agree that, um, you know, we don't have to be as uh, hyper clean as perhaps we are with bleaching everything and all of that. Right. Because we're breathing that stuff. I mean, I can't even tolerate walking down the grocery aisle. With all the chemicals, the perfumes. Yeah. Yeah. Our homes are not. Like there are certain places where we need to start um, like places to be like totally bug free, right? But our homes are not an operation room. So we don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, what other tips do you have? Like um, just actually, before I go into that, um, I wanted to, I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this sort of idea. Um, because we were talking about plastic bags and plastic containers, and obviously we're hearing a lot of information about countries wanting to ban, you know, single-use plastic, banning straws, banning this. And I feel like um, that discussion, because you were saying that the discussions around conservation haven't been happening. And I wonder if some of that is that companies now rather than being fearful of not being able to sell a particular product, are now more open to trying new things because we have the technology now to explore alternative um, materials to make different things. I, I don't know that we had that that op, you know, had that knowledge and had the technology before. So it was just like status quo. You know, I'm a company. I need to make my profits. Whereas now. I think that there's so many people out there who are optimistic and are willing to try new things to see if they can have a better impact on the environment. What are your thoughts on that? So I think it's a combination. So I think the, mar- like the market is actually demanding different things. So companies, like for a very long time, it was the easiest and the cheapest thing to do. Um, and now people are asking them to act differently so they are just reacting to what the markets are actually uh, demanding from them um, there's a lot of greenwashing out there too which we, i think we have to be careful as well um, because there are sometimes alternatives are probably not or just, can have just a bad impact as well in the environment so not because they're like different and they're not plastic that means that they're better for the environment like you have to look at the whole chain and look at how things work like and i think these these small 
campaigns, and I'm not saying that I'm against them, like I'm totally in favor of like not using straws, but I think at the same time, it makes people think that they're doing something and that they might be doing enough. So if I have a metal straw with me and I did not use five straws this month, I feel that I'm doing enough. If I am recycling at home, I feel that I'm doing enough. And then they do not move past that to other things that could probably or potentially have a larger impact. And again, I'm not saying that we should not do that. Like I, I'm totally pro that, but I think we have to do more. Like it's not, it's not enough. Like not using a straw, it's not necessarily enough, right? And, and I think we have all seen that. Like if you drive outside during the, the garbage day, right? And you see the amount of, like there are houses that have three or four blue beans per week. Like I know you're trying your best, you're doing a lot of recycling, but in Canada, only between eight and 9% of the plastic that goes in the blue bean actually gets recycled. So the other 90% ends up in the landfill anyway. So we have to be conscious that when we say reduce, reuse, and recycle, recycle is the last one in there. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of changes and, I, and I'm happy that these conversations are happening, but I think at the same time, it's enabling people to just think that they're doing enough mm-hmm. when it's not enough. Like I think now we are at a point, at a tipping point. So we we really need to do things that are a little bit more drastic yeah. than carrying a metal straw. I know. And, and, and the thing is, is it's probably ruffling people's feathers because it's an uncomfortable truth that we have to accept that, um, you know, we need to take better care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm not guilty of, of doing things. And I think, you know, um, I think, the important piece is having the conversations and then recognizing, oh, you know, okay, here's some, rather than being like, oh, you're not doing enough. It's like, oh, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Let's see what I am doing. Okay. Where can I be doing something a little bit more? And then you make another little small change and then you, you know, you're talking with somebody else and then it's like, oh, you know, I've been doing this, this and this. And it's like, yes, that's awesome. Okay. What else can I add to that? And so little by little, one little step at a time, we add something extra. We add something extra. It's just like the learning never stops, you know, in science. Um, we shouldn't stop at, okay, I put my stuff in the blue bin. Um, I think the hard thing is, is like, how do we know, you know, what the next thing is and how do we know that like this product isn't going to have some impact later down the road? Cause there's just so much noise. And I feel like that in and of itself can be very, very overwhelming. Even for me, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Right. And I think it's not, not only that, but to be, to be fair, we are all living, we're trying to survive here, right? It's, it's not an easy world. So there's so many things that you have to worry about and you have like a full-time job plus the kids plus the house, blah, 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 blah. And now you're supposed to be like all ecological. Like sometimes it's not, it's not easy, right? And, and, and we have made, or our society has made things really easy for us in so many aspects that it's way easier to just like order pizza or like go and buy something that is already pre-made that has lots of packaging or you don't have time to go and buy something so you just order it online and it comes with like five kilograms of packaging right it's just we have to be aware of that as well so I think everybody has to make their own decisions and see what is really reasonable for them and what we can do but always keeping into like keeping in their mindset we are at a tipping point. So we do have to do more stuff, but I don't think it's fair either to just ask people to like from one day to another go like off the grid and like, of course, yeah, have their own veggies in their home and blah, 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 go like all organic because it's not like economically and time wise, it's not possible for most people. Right. So we have, I think it's everybody's responsibility to like pick their own battles and decide, okay, so these are the things that I can do. These are the options out there. And there's, 
lots of sites are doing, I think, a good job now. Like, like if you just recycle how to be greener, like if you just Google how to be greener, how to like, you'll find a lot of different things there, right? And a lot of different tips. So pick the ones that work from your, for your family and probably say like, every month or every year, I'm going to add one or two more and I'm going to do more. I'm going to try um, to do something different. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think okay. we're, we're, it's a crazy life. It's a crazy world, right? It is. It is. I, you know what? I, I, I like that. I like that idea of, you know, whether it's, you know, every quarter, every month, you know, if you're super gung-ho every week um, or just once a year kind of looking at, all right, what are a couple of things, um, you know, that I, what is one thing that I can implement this year? I think that's reasonable. You know, if you're reflecting on, you know, your New Year's resolutions on your health, why not include a New Year's, you know, resolution on, you know, one thing I'm going to try to do this year differently? Um which might be like switching to vinegar and baking soda, right? I mean, it's not too, you know, hopefully not too cumbersome to, to sort of make that one, uh, you know, that one switch. Um, but what are the, are there any other kind of tips or tricks or things that, you know, people could do at home? Simple things that come to mind. Sure. So I, I think... Trying to try like changing changing our diet to try to uh, um, eat things that are more like less processed and usually things that are less processed have less packaging too. So when you move into like preparing more your meals and doing like meal prep during the weekends, um, so trying to get into a schedule where you actually use more. Yeah, like more things that are natural and not not processed, which at the same time will not have packaging. Um, that's one way to not only reduce your own exposure to chemicals, because then you are not using all those additives that are in the food, but at the same time reducing the amount of packaging um, that you are that you are like buying and then discarding at home. Right. So that could be one big one. Another one for me, it's again like in our like in the products that we use for our own like personal care we don't realize all the chemicals that are in there too right so just doing a little bit of research just like we research how to do our taxes i think it's important to know and what i don't know like the medicines that we are taking like i think it's important to go a little bit in depth on what we are using and what are some of the health effects that that can have uh, on us because of course all those are approved but they are approved in small quantities but we are adding up when we are using the shampoo plus the conditioner plus the lotion plus, and they all have the same chemical, then it adds up, right? What we were talking about by accumulation. So just doing a little bit of research on the products. And I, again, like I know that some of them can be um, like, it's more expensive if you want to buy things that are more natural, but there are a lot of alternatives that you can do from like your own things or nature going back to like your grandmother's recipes for like, I don't know, like face masks and things like that, right? Which again, were made with things that, like scraps from the from the kitchen, right? Yeah, I have to say that uh, in the midst of uh, scrolling through Instagram, um, you can totally find people posting like how to make your own facial scrub and like super easy stuff, right? Just you know, we're on social media anyways. We're on right. our phones all the time. You know, why not go into that search? You know, hit that little search button, and you know. Type in something like natural, you know, natural skincare. I, like you're going to like, you'll be overwhelmed with how many ideas oh there God. are. Pinterest um, is another good one. Like you can see a lot of in Pinterest, like YouTube, like there's, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, you can do like more research on each specific um, product. But I think, I think that's another um, easy thing to do. And again, when, when it comes to like more like outside, just things like reducing the amount of salt that you use. Do not use like pesticides on your lawn. Same thing, right? Like all those things go straight into our streams and our water. So just reduce the amount of lawn that you have and try to plant more native plants. It will be less work for you in the summertime too. And you're actually helping the environment. So it's just being responsible of our own small piece of earth, right? And taking care of that one as if it was a whole ecosystem on its own. Absolutely. Um, another thing that's coming to uh, my mind with more um, kind of looking at food, um, because 
you know, it's, it's a, certainly a topic for another time talking about organic versus non-organic foods. So I don't want to, I don't want to dive into that. Um, but I, what I do find myself sometimes doing is going and Google searching like the dirty dozen, which is like a website that lists, um, like the top foods this year that are the highest in pesticide and fertilizer use um, that says like, definitely buy organic for this. You're probably okay buying regular for these items because it doesn't take as much. And so I do find myself going to that list um, because it can get expensive. Um, and, you know, we're, I don't want to start labeling good food versus bad food, but you can take a look at that list and see, you know, what foods um, have been sort of deemed um, more chemicals um, and try to avoid buying those. Yeah, we have to be careful as well on making sure that we are looking at lists from Canada or from each country where um, they are produced too, right? Because it changes like the amount of, like the chemicals that are accepted in one place or different from the ones that are accepted in other countries as well. So, um, yep. You, you, we have to, I think the biggest, um, I think the biggest message here is awareness. Mm -hmm. We have to become aware and the difficulty and I totally get it and I'm totally guilty of it is that I feel like we're so busy that it's very difficult to, be aware enough. Um, and I think so the, 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 the biggest thing to change is building on that awareness, slowing down enough to kind of become aware and then decide what the next best step is. Sure. Yeah. Just be more diligent, right? On what you do. Yeah. Any other tips or information that you want to share about, you know, nature and our connection to it and or whatever anything yeah. else that kind of this is your time to shine <laughs> um sure so i think i think what i want to close with is like i know this can be overwhelming i know most of the messaging out there is negative but i there are a lot of positive um things out there as well right so we are not all doomed this is not everything that we are doing is wrong um, like science has really, really moved forward in a lot, in a lot of aspects. So now we are doing a lot of a, a lot of good things and more being more strategic in what we do. So there's a lot of success stories as well when it comes to like the environment and nature and different species and conservation. So I would say that yeah, it's like most most times, uh, like most of our news are not good and are focusing on the negative. But it's always like again, if you just Google a little bit more, you'll find all the positive things in there as well, just to keep it balanced and to try to keep like a more positive impact. And every time that you see like a negative note, I would, what I try to do is I switch it into what could I do in order to make this different. So if we are talking about going to your example of the, the wildfires in Australia, right? Like it's not possible for us to go down there and probably like help the firefighters and blah, blah, but we can plant a tree in our backyard, right? We can join forces around here, efforts around here to protect ecosystems around our own home, right? So look for local organizations that are doing something here and either donate your time or donate money. Like there's always something that you can do. So yeah, every time that you see a bad note somewhere or bad information or, or things that are not happy, just go and see what is it that you can do, right? I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about, you know, um, is there something that is there somewhere that you go specifically for those success stories? Like, are there any good websites or resources that people can find that, or is it just a matter of typing into, like, what would you type into Google if you were looking yeah. for success stories? Yeah. So what what I do is I follow a lot of. Um, in, like in my social media, I follow a lot of like scientists that I know are doing good things or organizations that I know are doing good things. So they share all their successful stories in there. So even though I still have like 
normal media, right, on, on my feed, and that's where I get, like, all the awful stuff. At the same time, I do get, like, these specific organizations. So look for organizations that resonate with you, right? And that, like, National Geographic, for example, has many different um, pages because it's not only one page, but they have a lot of different ones. So they have some ones that are just specific on biodiversity, like the UN has a good ones too. So they usually... Yeah, they, they promote all the, the, the advances that they're doing. So just trying to follow that. So not, it's not only your friends in social media, but you can actually follow um, like specific organizations that are doing or trying to make a difference. Right. And then I'm sure you'll get, you know, different ideas of, of how you can support, um, you know, different initiatives and, and, you know, be a part of, be a part of that. And, and again, I think I just really bring it back to, um, awareness, right? Mm -hmm. If you're aware of things going on, then you're able to make different decisions. But if you only look at certain things, um, then you're closing yourself off from being aware of other things going on in the world and how you might be able to interact with those good things. So awareness is key, people. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for taking the time today to come and sort of chat with me and you know um there's no I think there's no necessarily right or wrong it's just like everybody's trying to do their best um and the discussions are always big and broad and you know very complex but you know try to break it down into the simplest littlest thing that you can do and then expand out from outward from there so it doesn't feel like you're climbing Mount Everest but I, I want to thank you for coming and trying to wrestle some of these ideas with me um, today. So thank you. No, thank you for the invitation and for the chance to actually talk about this. this is like having the conversations is a huge step forward, right? So I'm happy and, and glad that you, that you thought about it and that you invited me. Yeah, I well, like again, I I, I think nature is important. Um, I think we rely on it. And so I feel uh, the personal need to talk about it so that, yeah, again, bringing that awareness and maybe sparking something, you know, planting a seed in somebody's mind that might grow into something that they never thought would be possible. And um, so that's kind of my mission is to, you know, have discussions and see what happens from them. So thank you again. And of course, we always want to thank our uh, listeners for tuning in and we hope that you subscribe to the podcast so that you stay up to date with the latest and greatest uh, podcast episodes and, uh, you know, just letting you know we appreciate you. So thanks again for listening and until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.